What's it like to be alive right now? Maybe one day we'll know. Maybe one day we'll tell our children and grandchildren what it was like to be alive in the age of coronavirus. We're living in crazy times, man. And I told my kids the other day, I said, you know, you'll always remember this. One month ago, your life was probably normal. Today, it's probably not. This is the third in a special Stories of Hope coronavirus series. In this episode, I said, guys, you know, we have churches all around us right now whose doors are shutting for weeks on end and they're not going to be able to make ends meet. What happens when rescuers need rescuing? We'll tell a story about one small Georgia church that's decided to send relief to other congregations who are struggling to pay their bills. You know, I've gotten calls from Texas, New Hampshire, Arizona, here we are in Georgia. You know, just man, people from all over that are just calling and just asking help. And then, sharing the love of Christ with people who live on the street has always been challenging. But now, COVID-19 has made homeless ministry next to impossible. You think about uh, the, uh, the instructions now, shelter in place or stay in your home. Well, what if you don't have a home? And all these things are going on with communication, uh, but what if you don't have no, any internet or, or even a cell phone? From Sin Relief, we'll share expert practical advice on how you can share the love of Christ with the homeless, even in a time like this. This is a special Stories of Hope, the age of coronavirus. The first thing you should know about Zach Williams is what he is not. Flat Creek, we're, we're not a mega church. You know, we run probably close to 250 people. Zach Williams, the pastor of Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia, is not a big church kind of guy. Before I come to Flat Creek, I pastored two really small churches. And, you know, I can remember Sundays where my treasurer would walk in and he'd say, Pastor, we have less than $250 in all of our accounts. So don't cash your paycheck until the offering has come in and I can give you the go-ahead that it's okay. Sometimes the things we remember influence the things we do. This is the story of how God told a small church kind of pastor in a medium-sized kind of church to do something very crazy. And he did it. Here is Zach Williams telling his story of hope. How did the idea come about? It came about because a, a month before we made this decision, I was in a deacon's meeting and so our treasurer comes in and gives us the financial report of the church. And our chairman of deacons, he said in that deacons meeting, he said, gentlemen, we as a church have never been as financially stable as we are right now. And he said, for us at this moment, we, we cannot hoard all this to ourselves. We have to look at how we can use this to advance the gospel. And the conversation went on. Nobody had any ideas, uh, but I just stored that in my memory bank. So, of course, here comes coronavirus, man, you know, and none of us, uh, no pastor, no church prepared for anything like this. So I just went back in the deacons meeting and I said, guys, this is what our 
chairman of deacon said last time and the book of Acts chapter number two, uh, where the Bible uh, lets, lets us know, it says, now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And I just, I just showed them the scripture verse and I said, guys, you know, we have churches all around us right now that, that they're going to be in need. And let's remember, they're not our competition. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so nationwide, anybody who needs it worldwide, because we know churches all over the world are being affected by this. And those 10 guys voted unanimous. They said, that's exactly what we need to do. Uh, so we've allotted $1,000 a week to be able to help those churches that are struggling during this time. Since we have done that and since the word has spread through our congregation, the response has been overwhelmingly uh, a sense of joy and praise that, hey, my church that I attend is helping other churches to stay, stay open during this time. Now, um, and, and let's just be honest, you know, uh, I'm a man just like anybody else. I'm a pastor just like anybody else. So I look at our financial statements um, and, and I, look at it, I look at it and I say, well, you know, there, there could come a day where if this goes on as long as they say it is to where even we could fall into a situation where we uh, are looking at the possibility of not being able to pay bills and those things. I mean, because we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, but uh, when you drove up, I was talking to a pastor in South Carolina that we're going to help. And, you know, here he is serving in a small little church. And this was his statement to me. He said, we looked at our finances last week and my secretary said to me, I've never seen it this bad. And she said to me and my deacon said, we have to make a choice. We need to quit giving to missions or we're going to have to, or we need to quit paying our staff. And it's himself and a youth pastor. And he said, as soon as they said that, I said, we're not going to quit giving to missions. You cut off my salary. Um, so there are churches out there that need help. And so if we do our part, I know God's going to take care of us. Flat Creek Baptist Church is sending a $1,000 check to a different church each week. Zach says they'll continue to do so until they can't. If you'd like to learn more about what they're doing and how they're doing it, you can visit them on Facebook, Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. And now, part two of today's program. Shelter-in-place orders and mandatory quarantines have made life difficult for everyone everywhere. But for men and women who live on the streets, and for missionaries and churches who are called to share Christ with them, COVID-19 has created a special kind of difficulty. Sin Relief Missionary Taylor Field leads the Graffiti Baptist Center on Manhattan's Lower East Side, and Sin Relief Missionary Andrew Mann leads the Graffiti Two Baptist Center in the Bronx. A few days ago, Taylor and Andrew connected to talk about how churches can share the love of Christ with people on the streets, even in this age of coronavirus. Here's Andrew. Taylor, I know as we've worked together, I've often turned to you for good advice and good counsel on ministry. We kind of have that 
that, that sense of collaboration within our graffiti network where we can turn to each other and, and, and learn best practices and good principles. And um, what are some of the things that uh, you're coming across as challenges to ministering with uh, homeless people? Well, I'm thinking, Andrew, about, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, working with homeless, uh, we've done it for a long time, but now is a new environment. And I think it's good for all of us and just Christian leaders and, and pastors to think uh, as we grow in Christ, it's how would it feel to be like you um, and or to be you? And you think about uh, the, uh, the instructions now, shelter in place or stay in your home. Well, what if you don't have a home and all these things are going on with communication uh, but what if you don't have no, any internet or, or even a cell phone? Um, and uh, think about if you're in a situation where many of the soup kitchens, the libraries, the public places have closed. Uh, you, you can imagine how difficult this is, even more than normal. And uh, the group of people that are maybe in transitional or homeless often are the least secure about their medical supplies. And of course, you add on to that another layer of challenge, the mental health issues. You, you, you add all those things, and of course, there's all the uncertainty we all feel. Um, you know, well, should I go to a shelter? Well, whatever the shelters are like, uh, the, the word on the street is that they can be dangerous. Uh, you know, about 40 of the shelter locations in New York City, for example, already have uh, cases of coronavirus. Uh, and, and you add on to all of that a person now as people walk and we're six feet apart, uh, just the stigma of being homeless. And what is this person? Are they a reservoir of, of problems and disease? Uh, it's really difficult. And I think just for Christians, for us to think, what does it feel, what would it feel like to be in that situation is probably um, a place I would start just for us as, you know, as Christians in both urban areas and areas that aren't urban, but often we do encounter people that are very insecure in terms of shelter. Yeah. I know for a long time, um, we've talked about not just feeding people, but eating with people, right? It gives a person a sense of dignity and um, in this day and age, in the time that we've got right now, that's particularly challenging. I, I found myself last night in a corner bodega. And uh, for those that aren't New Yorkers, corner bodegas are very small. And it's hard to keep a six feet distance from people. And I, I thought to myself, should I really be in here? Uh, and as I was standing there, one of the gentlemen I know that's homeless came in that him and I have, have a strong relationship. And of course, he came right up to me. And it was that moment where I was trying to distance myself, right? But I also didn't want him to feel stigmatized. Uh, but it's something I'm doing with everybody, trying to distance myself. Uh, and of course, in that moment, I was able to buy him something to eat as I went along my way. Um, but I guess the question is, you know, we're, we're always looking right now when we're out and about, at least New Yorkers are, like everybody's a suspect, you might say, right? So what are some of the things we can do as, as Christians, as people filled with God's spirit during this time of need and this particular challenge we have? Andrew, I think you've touched on a feeling a lot of people have right now. And it's certainly um, the world has turned upside down again, hasn't it? Because we talked about close contact, eating together, that personal connection. But now um, we want to we have to have physical distance, but we don't want to have social distance. I guess that's one of the challenges that I think you just mentioned, too, that um um, it's important for us to touch base and understand a person who may be in transition or homeless. For some of those, the subculture is a, a subculture of independence and toughness. No one's going to tell me what to do. You know, you know that, that whole thing. And uh, so that makes it harder for some of these hygiene things that we're talking about. And I think the way that we're trying to approach that, uh, like even with your friend in the bodega, um, is to talk to them and say, appeal to that uh, incredible sense of generosity 
that many people who are in difficult circumstances have. You know, some of the people that I know in uh, in that culture, I mean, they would give you their last dollar. If they're hungry and they have one piece of pizza, they'd give it to you. So what we've been doing as we talk to people is work to appeal to that and say, you know, hey, dude, um, this isn't for you. It's for someone else. A surgeon doesn't wash his hands for himself. He washes his hands for the vulnerable person around him. And I think, um, I'll just say, maybe people listening are going, well, maybe I'm not in a big city. Um, but I, I, we've noticed that people in crisis will often turn to the people they are familiar with first. So it might be important for people that are listening just to think, is there someone I know that's in a very insecure transitional place? I mean, person that's in that situation doesn't turn to, uh, doesn't, you know, make an appointment with a professional counselor. You know, they talk to the person they see uh, that sells newspapers on the street or someone who they know that they've had experience with before. And so there may be a chance to just talk to someone and there's nothing more powerful than knowing someone's name. And, and, you know, you can still do that six feet away. So um, I think that's important for all of us to be praying and checking on our sphere of influence. Is there something we've seen, someone we've seen in our own sphere that we could, uh, we could reach out to and help in a natural way? Of course, right now, you know, there's many things only professionals can do in this. And they're medical professionals, social services. There's much, so much happening with the homeless. But every person wants to have that golden person who knows their name and even takes the time to listen to them. Yeah, I'm reminded, um, you've said it already, but we, we constantly repeat to ourselves, the bigger the city, the more personal we need to become. So as you think about um, just, you might say a normal person, uh, although I think us pastors are pretty normal, to be honest, but uh, a person who's not uh, working in these environments all the time or, or uh, maybe around this type of pop population all the time, uh, what's something um, the average Christian can do to help when they see somebody that's homeless? Well, I think you said one of the things is just, first of all, working to make a human connection, even if you're six feet away. And these people, it's not going to be on the phone or, or on the internet, but it is, it is something we can model that human connection for them right now. But I think one of the things that you and I've talked a lot about in the past is, you know, what if you are in a situation where these pe the person is, is asking you for something and you may not be able to do it at that time. And I think one of the things that helps me and for us is to give people choices. You know, no, I can't give you $20, but I can uh, offer you this uh, bag with a sandwich in it. I think that's a real practical thing, no matter where we are in the country and no matter what our situation. I think in a lot of um, what we're experiencing, there's this sense of urgency. We've got to figure out something to do right now, right? But sometimes ministry doesn't take place best for the urgent, but it's trying to figure out what's important in the long run. Uh, and so what do you think is the most important? thing for us to be thinking about as we look down the road. Well, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on some of this, but I know that we've talked when, when a crisis comes, it's often wise. And someone gave me this advice uh, after 9-11. He said, uh, don't make a one month plan, make a five year plan. And I think that there are some things we can think about in terms of long term for this, that this is probably going to be a long term challenge and will have repercussions not only for families at risk and for all of us, but for the homeless. And, and I know you've been look, working with some of the graffiti network. Do you have any thoughts, Andrew, about what would help us uh, make a long-term plan? 
as I've been thinking about things and I've been saying measure twice, cut once, but now I'm thinking measure 50 times, cut once, that maybe every idea I have isn't uh, the right thing to do. Sometimes as uh, I've been thinking over my experiences the past couple of weeks, my, my instincts haven't been right the whole time. And so, first of all, I thought about what, what tremendous value a group has in making these decisions and making these plans. Um, sometimes we can be driven by our emotions uh, when an emergency is happening, uh, but that may not be what's best in the long term. Uh, we need to be able to do something that's sustainable, uh, not just care about the homeless or people in crisis right now, but down the road as well. Yeah, those are good words. And I just want to say one other thing that I think is important, and that is um, we have some opportunities here too. You and I, with uh, the trainings we do with Upside Down, always say meet the need first. We want to meet the need, but we want to be aware that there may be other things going on and other layers and opportunities at the same time. From Sin Relief, this has been the third in a special Stories of Hope series. If you'd like to hear more stories like these, you can subscribe to the Stories of Hope podcast. When you do, you'll automatically get a new episode every time one is released. Go to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you liked what you heard here, rate us and leave a review. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. We'll be back in one week with the next episode of The Age of Coronavirus on Stories of Hope.